Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. You must retain faith that you will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties. And at the same time, you must confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. For every hill I have had to climb, for every stone that bruised my feet, for all the blood and sweat and grime, for blinding storms and burning heat, my heart sings but a grateful song. These were the things that made me strong. I ask not for a lighter burden, but for broader shoulders. Courage is not having the strength to go on. It's going on when you don't have the strength. We fall, we break, we fail. But then, we rise, we heal, we overcome. I choose to live by choice, not by chance. To be motivated, not manipulated. To be useful, not used. To make changes, not excuses. To excel, not compete. I choose self-esteem, not self-pity. I choose to listen to my inner voice, not the random opinions of others. I choose to do the things others will not, so I can continue to do the things others cannot. Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior replied, I am the storm. The greater the difficulty, the more glory in surmounting it. Skillful pilots gain their reputation from storms and tempests. Be grateful for adversity, for it forces the human spirit to grow. For surely, the human character is formed not in the absence of difficulty but in our response to difficulty. 
the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring, renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. Hey guys, thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed this one which is made thanks to our latest voiceover artist, Peter Revel Walsh. I'm James, the creator of these videos, and it's great to see in the comments that they've been helping people. A new motivational poetry video is coming next, so I'll see you all on the next one. Hello and welcome to the Roll Call Room Podcast. The podcast that pissed shitbag Steve's off and fucked over my dad. And now your host and my daddy, Nick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Roll Call Room Podcast. My name is Nick, one of your hosts, and Mike, my Mike, co-host... Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Mike, how are you, my friend? Doing, how are things going? Doing fan-fucking-tastic. Mike, sure. can I ask you something? You, you don't have to. You're just going to say it anyway, so it don't matter. Go ahead. Mike, can I ask you something? Sure. How fucking crazy was the first episode with Lieutenant Colonel Grossman? Let me tell you something. Fire. Incredible. Incredible. Like his his you know, you talked before um about his demeanor and 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 it, it's 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 his passion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know, and I'm sure everybody heard the first episode where I was not there. Thank you. I'm oh, sure you You weren't there? Yeah, thanks. What I heard you on that one. No, no, I, I slept. Sorry. But anyway. Um, you I were looked, on this one, right? You are on this episode. Uh, probably not. You'll probably cut me out anyway, so it don't matter. Oh, you were sleeping for this one, too. Okay, that's right. The devotion for the fans. Go ahead. We were well, talking te- about Technically, that. I'm here right now. So huh. well, You know, different than the last host. Yeah, true. Uh, I didn't run for the hills and never will. Uh, anyway, um, passion. The, the the the. I don't know what to say. I, I really don't. It, it, amazing, amazing. Keep eating. Keep eating. Keep chewing. I'll just talk. I'll talk. Keep swallow. Wipe your mouth. You got a little stuff on your side. Wipe your mouth. There you go, pal. Mm. You ready now, Nikki? Yeah, I'm ready. Nikki, uh, be ready. I mean, listen. The, the fans yeah. had to hear you uh, chew for uh, a good. You know, ten seconds. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm enjoying this uh, beautiful Reese's, um, Reese's peanut butter cup that I have. Uh, you're, you're like a dog. You can't like talk, and you're like, no, no. And I'm I'm drinking my peacemaker coffee as I'm having my Reese's. But... I know it's <laughs> it's yeah. funny. Listen, you have to you have to video this because the the people that the fans mm-hmm. watching you video. eat. And then the you, I could just tell the peanut butter stuck on the top of your mouth, and then you're drinking the coffee, trying mm-hmm. to get it out. It, 
my um my mouth probably smells like a homeless person's crotch right now between the two combinations coffee and peanut butter and chocolate uh but um i gotta tell you man i never i never thought that uh episode one well i did actually let me take that back um there wasn't a lot of talking on my end from lieutenant colonel grossman in the first one and not a lot in this one because the guy just has so much passion and so much expertise in what he's talking about that it's best to just leave a guy like that to just talk, like just talk it out. And it doesn't matter that his books are 10 years old, 15 years old. It doesn't even, doesn't matter. They're so prevalent right now in the current climate that it's just amazing to listen to him. Um, and then the fact that the guy has a kid's book, a guy that has a book that's called On Killing, and on combat has a children's book is incredible to me. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's what I want to do after I, I wrote my book, uh, police mental barricade, which is available for pre-order right now on our site, rollcallroom.com or mentalbarricade.com. After I write that one, then I'm, I'm going to write a second one and it's going to be like pretty, it's going to be called fucked up leaders. Um, I don't think I'll be able to spell that out because no bookstore will sell, sell it. My third one is going to be a children's pop-up book, and I'm going to name it Mike's Police Pop-Up Book. Because I want to give something back to you and your kind. I think you're a gentle soul, and I think you being able to turn a page and something pop up at you. Um, it surprises me all the time. Well, I just I don't want your only memory of things popping up on you is you as a child going to see Santa Claus and sitting on his lap. I thought we weren't going to talk about this. This was, uh, sorry. Yeah. I promised myself I wasn't going to cry, but well, you know, he did give you, um, he did give you everything that you wanted for Christmas. Um, you know, sometimes you just, um, you just got to take it and then, um, things happen for you, you know, and And I did take it and I took it and it hurt. You did. So, folks, I want you to listen to this episode, just like the first one. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman, just bring an absolute fire. Really good guest. Um, amazing. 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 Amazing interview. Yeah. So um, I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed making it. Um, I cannot wait to have him on again, hopefully in the future. Uh, but check out his books and please listen to this uh, this episode. All right, folks, take it easy. That's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes, an airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Turn world serves its own needs. Dummy serve your own needs. Beat it up and not speak. Front no street. Mike, did they ever arrest that Santa Claus that you were talking about? I don't know. He was just ho ho hoing along. You know, those those uh, mall Santa Clauses, they're kind of scary. It's interesting. I think they ran for the hills. Hmm. Yeah, it was weird. Weird. They just got out and just left. And Part of the union? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. He was the president of the Santa Claus Union. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, shit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming back from break. Um, Nick here again with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Uh, same thing as episode one, folks. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman has given me permission to call him Dave through the whole entire episode. So 
please don't think I'm disrespecting him and don't send me emails or send him emails saying Nick was so disrespectful to you by stripping you of your military title. You know, all y'all out there tell you, it's just Dave to anybody. I'm honored to be uh, honored to be first name basis. All those, you know, I, I, I haven't done much in my life and to be with people who are in the front lines every day and make a contribution. I know it. We set that aside and, uh, and just go by first names among sheepdogs there, you know, awesome. Uh, all right. Well, um, I want to get to you a, a, a quite a few um, fan questions that were sent to me. Uh, I selected the ones that I thought really kind of fit the mold of your of your books. Um, and then uh, I want to read a quote from your children's book um, that really rang true with me, with my children, um, that um, I would use very often with my children uh, at night. So. Uh, I'll end the whole entire episode with that. And if I forget, Dave, because I'm kind of getting old. Uh, <laughs> just remind I want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so I got a question from Rich. He was a, Rich, who's a fan, uh, major contributor of the show. And he said, um, how do you feel about prolonged stress of public scrutiny as well as scrutiny of being? Um, do you think it's similar or different than the combat stress? Um with what law enforcement's going through with public scrutiny? You know, that's really a, a great question. I got a book coming out fairly shortly called On Killing Remotely. Uh, a, um, a Marine lieutenant colonel who ran a, 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 a Predator Reaper squadron, whacking bad guys around the world. Uh, and uh, he came to me a couple of years back and said, what do you think about writing a book on killing remotely? and how the Predator and Reaper squadrons fit in the equation and the psychology and what they're doing. I said, man, what a great idea. You know, conduct your surveys, conduct your interviews, uh, collect your lit review, and, and come back to me. And he came back and mandated to do an amazing job. And Lieutenant Colonel Wayne Phelps, USMC, retired. He's really carrying the ball. You know, we looked at these Predator and Reaper squadrons, and they're out there whacking bad guys. I mean, they're truly, truly just... It, when ISIS was murdering people, ISIS was doing evil things. They were saying, can we kill them now? Can we kill them now? I mean, yeah, they're collateral damage. They're all going to die anyway. Look what they're doing. They're watching these things happen. And they're whacking these, these individuals out there. And then they go home and have a beer and, and watch a kid's soccer game and come back the next day and go do it again. And, and, and over the long term, is this going to be difficult? And what we did was we pointed at the law enforcement community. <laughs> and, and we said, look what our cops are doing. Yeah, there's, there, there is a minority of our cops over the long haul that's going to have trouble. We need to be there for them. But the first thing we need to do is create a positive, self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, that a, a new greatest generation are rising up. You know, and we've got military out there with nine combat tours, and the vast, vast majority are just fine. There's such a myth about our broken veterans. You may have heard that uh, 22 veterans a day take their life. What people don't realize is that this is kind of an anti-military propaganda. The word veteran is different than combat veteran. Mm. The word veteran means anybody served in the armed forces. In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, everybody was drafted. Elvis Presley was drafted. Elvis is a veteran. Most of these suicides are 90, 80, 70-year-old men. Uh, and they served for two years, they count as veterans. And if somebody has got problems or a dirt bag, we kick them out, they still count against us as veterans. So the idea that the, 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 the lie of omission here, you hear 22 veterans a day, you think it's from the current war. It's not. Only one or two are from the current war. One is one too many suicides. 
Then you hear people say, well, 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 8% of our prison population is veterans. Well, 20% of adult American males are veterans. Again, they didn't all serve in combat. So the idea that our veterans are homicidal, suicidal, PTSD-riddled nutcases is not true. Mm. A tiny percentage need our help, and we're very good at helping them. You know, I I, uh, I had the honor of, of, uh, of working with the author of, of the book, uh, uh, Lone Survivor, Marcus Luttrell. I trained his unit before and after the incident. I'm now on the same speakers bureau with him, and 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 I have his permission to talk about the things. He came back from that incident uh, with with a lot of baggage. A year later, he'd made enormous progress, and he tells us today is 100% PTSD free. That man had his whole team wiped out. He was captured. He was tortured. Very bad things happened, but he will be the first one to tell you I recovered fully and I'm stronger from the experience. So understand there is a tiny percentage who needs our help and we can be there for them and have confidence that we can help them. And here's the way I put it. Nietzsche said, what doesn't kill us only makes us stronger. But Nietzsche stole that from the Bible. 2,000 years for Nietzsche, Romans chapter 13, we glory in tribulation. For tribulation, work of patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Look at the World War II generation, the greatest generation. A tiny percentage of the World War II vets had some baggage. But the vast, vast majority came back, and they were one of the greatest generations our nation's ever seen. And a new greatest generation are rising up. The Bible says it over and over again. Again, Romans chapter 5, we glory in tribulation. Uh, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. Right? You know, Nietzsche stole that from the Bible. So go into these these times believing that uh, that a new greatest generation are rising up. And, and although this is hard, how does it compare to four years of continuous warfare in World War II? But we look at our predator and reaper squadrons, we'll point to our cops. And, and they've been in the mean streets and they've been through some hard times and most of them are stronger for the experience. So go into this life and death dynamic, go into these hard times with a proper perspective uh, and, and, and know that most people are made stronger. If there is a problem, there's nothing wrong with that. And get help and believe the help can help. We're darn good at reading and treating PTSD. We get better every time. We'll talk later about our peer support programs and embedded support. But go into these violent times, believing it will make you stronger. The greatest generation, right? Four years of World War II. And and if there is a problem, have faith that the help can help. And you come out the other side like Marcus Utrell, stronger for the experience. Yeah, and I read that uh, Marcus Cottrell uh, book, and it was uh, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal book, um, phenomenal movie too. Um, love that movie. Um, I got another question here, Dave. Um, Long term effects of officers dealing with war zone protest. You know, these aren't the days of the '60s of protests anymore. They are no longer peaceful protests. Um, the days of of just doing a march and the march is over, and you get back in your hybrid vehicle. Uh, or your electric car, and you take off and go back to um, your mother's suburbia. <laughs> yeah, your mom's basement, um, where your mom made your bed for you. Uh, those days are those days are kind of over. They are more. Um, you know, I live right outside of DC. I'm I'm ten minutes away from DC, and um, it pains me to take a drive into DC and see these monuments spray painted and destroyed uh the world war ii mon- monument the lincoln monument uh damn near broke my heart when i went to the law enforcement memorial uh and saw that they had spray painted the uh, the wall uh, of fallen officers um 
these are different. These are different protests. These are wartime protests uh, with different tactics now. Um, so the question I got from a fan was, is um, what do you think the long term effects on our law enforcement officers are dealing with these wartime protests? Okay, well, it, it, first off, understand that uh, the, the 60s, you know, I grew up during those times and the 60s were not all peaceful protests. There was there was enormous amount of bad things happening during that time. And we came out of that stronger people. And, and so good things came, you know, as a pendulum swung back the other way there, I believe. Uh, and it kind of comes back to our same answer as the first question. You know, this is not going to go on for four years straight, like World War II. You know, you, 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 know, you get to go home to your family and, and out, of, out of range of the artillery fire. You know, you, you, you get to go to a place where you're reasonably safe and, and able to tune it out. Uh, this, is, this is not fun. This, this is, this is, these are some, some grim times, but they are the times that make us. They are the times that empower us. And generations to come, you will be the wise old sheepdog. You'll be the gray-muzzled old sheepdog that can look at the young pups and say, guys, we've been here before. We've been around this block before. This will make us stronger. And this is the time when we are needed. And 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 the the violence inflicted by these people, the, these these icons that are being 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 desecrated, uh, will draw the public to support us. You gotta believe in that. And you gotta believe in that great. And, and we're going to see this in the coming elections, I think, I hope, and I pray. You know, we already saw one uh, one uh, Democrat seat in New in uh, California turned over, shocked everybody. Here's a seat that voted by double digits for Hillary that's now voted by double digits for the Republican candidate. And, uh, and, uh, and it stunned everybody. But that was from the whole lockdown business. That was people saying, no, the, the government does. And now you add this to it. And the, the lockdown and, and the, the, the left-wing governments are the ones that are that is saying, oh, you don't need a gun. You would just hurt yourself. And you need us to take care of you. And you need to stay at home, regardless of your job, regardless of the fact you can't pay your bills. I can pay my bills. What's your problem? Why can't you pay your bills? Well, you know, uh, this, this left-wing politics, and now you add the rioting and the violence and desecration of, 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 of things that we hold, uh, hold mutually sacred, uh, you're going to see a backlash in the other direction. It, it's not going to last four years like World War II. It's not going to last a decade like Vietnam. Uh, this is something that I believe with all my heart, we don't see an end in a couple of years and we'll see movement in the right direction. Maybe we're spinning down into violent times. What you're seeing, what they're trying to create is what we saw in Venezuela. And, and when socialists gain control, they never let go of it without, without a fight. You know, we, we, saw the, we, we saw the pandemic. And I tell you that a left-wing politician would have used the pandemic, a left-wing president, or to use a pandemic as an opportunity to create a police state. Mm-hmm. And they, they, would have get, they would have taken control of everything. But we had a president that delegated the responsibility to the states. That's how it's supposed to work. They didn't right. centralize power. They didn't take control. They didn't declare national fiats. And, 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 and they, they, they delegated the responsibility. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so have faith in, uh, in our future. Have faith that this will pass. Uh, and understand what doesn't kill us only makes us stronger. Romans chapter five, we glory in tribulation. And, and, and so uh, just have faith in these times. They're hard, but we have seen this before. We've seen years of riots in, uh, in, uh, in, in Vietnam, and they were draft riots, by the way. When the draft stopped, the riots stopped. They weren't war riots, they were draft riots. Right. And, uh, and, and, and so just understand we've been around this block before. 
riots during the Civil War in New York City that burned down huge sections. They were draft riots again during the Civil War. Most people don't even know that happened. And, and there have been other hard times. We will ride through these times. They will make us stronger, have faith in our nation, have faith in our way of life, and, and just hang in there as we love our families, we love our children, we love our way of life, we love our God, we love our nation. Hang in there and have faith. These things will come out the other end. We will be the wise old sheepdogs, the gray-muzzled old sheepdog. Look at the young pups a decade or two from now and say, guys, we've been here before. We can, yeah. we can do this. Well, um, that's phenomenal. Um, I got another one, of course. Um, a fan writes in, uh, when you wrote your books, uh, did you think that the Ellie community were, would relate so much to your books? You know, I, I wrote the first book on killings with really heavy military focus. Mm. All my interviews were Vietnam veterans, World War II veterans, and all my data was collected from that population. My book came out in 95. I retired right at the end of the year, 97. And, uh, and I was speaking and teaching. And I realized that the only people who were in combat on a daily basis, pre-9-11, were law enforcement. And I talk about what I call the acid test. You know, in the law enforcement community, if something's stupid, people die, and you stop doing that very quickly. If it saves lives, people do more of it. And I got hundreds and hundreds of emails saying, your book saved my life. You know, you've literally saved my life over and over again. Um, and so my presentation evolved from on killing, which is which is valuable, but primarily military, uh, to on combat, which was largely law enforcement focused. It was based on law enforcement data. 9-11 happened, and suddenly, for the first time in decades, we're at war. Mm -hmm. and, and my book, On Combat, which is based largely on law enforcement, is now embraced by the military. Uh, Marine Corps commandants required reading, so on and so forth. So it's been a, a crazy dynamic. I, my dad was a cop. I grew up in a law enforcement family. I knew one killing had value, but it was academic. It was on combat that really was the one that I felt like was going to be terribly important to law enforcement. And then it ended up being terribly important for military because 9-11 happened. We're, we're almost 20 years into the longest war in American history. Uh, and, and they've embraced the books throughout that war. So it's been a weird dynamic as, as I learned from the military and the police embrace that. I learned from the police and the military embrace that. It's been a crazy ride. And no, I, I don't think at any point I ever dreamed it would turn out the way it did. It's just kind of like one step at a time, take the next logical step and see on where it put us. And uh, it, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, but yeah. yeah. And I will tell you that um, it's kind of like required reading at least in my agency on combat was kind of the unofficial required reading for new officers. Cause when I was a field trainer for, I was a field trainer before I got promoted to a Sergeant for four years. And I would always recommend two, uh, two different uh, authors. One was you. And then the other author was for the spouse of the officer uh, for a book called I love a cop. Um, and it's, it's a phenomenal book about, uh, preparing you for the changes that you're going to grow into. Because what you are day one is not what you're going to be at day 55 as a cop. Those days of you wanting to go to concerts and going to the mall and being around people, and those days are over. Um, and it's a calling. It, it truly is a calling because if you want to give that up, 
it's for the greater good. It's like what you said, you know, it's, 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 you're God's soldier. Yeah. Like you, you Lord work. You gotta believe it. You're the Lord's work. And you know what? There are sacrifices that do need to be made. Um, you're not going to want to be in crowd, crowded places. You're not going to want to be, um, you know, you know, you're always doing a threat assessment off duty. You're always doing a threat assessment. Even now I've been out of the law enforcement profession for a month and a half. I still find myself doing it. I still, when I go to target, um, I'll always constantly look around. I'll always size people. And these, everybody wearing masks is really throwing me off, Dave. It's really throwing me off because you know, let's I went into briefly about masks. That, that increases the overall hostility of our society to new levels. Oh, if, I went into the bank. Distress, and, the stress of wearing a mask, the stress of trying to communicate. And we don't understand how much the, the friction of our society has been amplified by those masks. It's another whole topic we could spend, we could spend 10 minutes talking about. But Dave, masks are a comedic part, too, because I love walking through Walmart or Target and watching people wear wear masks and they're wearing them wrong. Like they don't even cover their nose. So it's like I want to walk up to them and tap them on the shoulder and go, what are you doing? What are you like? It's like the people that wear gloves while they're grocery shopping, but they're on their phone. What are you doing? Like you're transferring the bacteria to your phone. And here's a crazy one for you. I want you to think about this. You know, instead of shaking hands, gonna we're gonna touch elbows. Where do you yeah. sneeze? You sneeze in you sneeze. In yeah, exactly. Touch hands. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the COVID thing has drove it's driven my hyper awareness to the through the roof because I went to the bank the other day and um I always carry, you know, like oh, you say in your oh. seminars, carry what's legal and carry more often and you know, I wasn't carrying a knife. I always carry a knife and, and my sidearm if it's lawfully available for me to carry. And I'm in the bank and I'm filling out my deposit slip. And here comes this dude in with a bandana face mask, not the face mask like the surgical ones. I'm talking about the 1912 Elliot Ness. I'm going to rob the bank face mask. And immediately I reach behind me and I'm thinking to myself, here we go. Here we go. I'm I'm going to be in the news today. And he's just coming in to deposit like I, like I'm coming in to deposit. This is what we've grown into. That we're conditioned now. I don't know why I had to tell tell you that, but I just thought it was hilarious that we've just we've become so conditioned with COVID and now the hyper awareness of where you stand politically, um, you know, what you can say and what you can't say on social media. Uh, being cautious about talking about politics with your family and your friends. Uh, I think more unfriending has happened on Facebook in the last two weeks than the history of all Facebook. It's insane. Uh, yeah. It's insane. It's a, Because I say this on the show all the time, Dave. It is your right to be offended as much as it's my right to offend you. And if you can comprehend that, it's okay to be offended, but it's also okay for me to offend you with my views. We don't have to agree on it. Mantra. They believe in free speech unless it disagrees with them. You know, the yeah. greatest, oh, yeah. greatest restrictions of free speech comes from the left. And, and and they want to declare you it's been, you know, counter-revolutionary. This is what we saw in Russia. This is what we see in Venezuela. You're, you're counter-revolutionary. That's one un, unspeakable evil. So again, these, these are crazy times that we've been through them before. We can make it through these ones. The mass are a, a weird dynamic that's going to really accentuate people's stress and differentiation. We're all wearing masks. You don't know who I am. Don't know who you are. 
uh, and the stress of trying to communicate to a mass, you shout, and then the person says, you're shouting at me, it must be hostile. It's insane. Of all the things we could do to exacerbate that, yeah, it's societal culture. It, it, this yeah. time, it's to make everybody wear a mask. It's, it's just this weird dynamic of, of, that we're doing. We need to stop this stuff. The sooner the better. I just, I'm upset that I missed the, uh, I, I didn't inv- invest in, in mask companies and, uh, and hand sanitizer. I missed that boat or else I'd be. So the gun companies are doing great. I know. And, and ammunition too. Oh, uh, I mean, you know, really company, cheap dog knife and gun.com. Check it out. Yeah. Oh, uh. Um, so I got another question here for you, uh, Dave. Uh, what was it like testifying in Timothy McVeigh's trial? It happened. It was really interesting dynamic. Yeah. How did that happen? I was, I was approached by the defense team in the McVeigh. I don't even like saying the names of these mass murders. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, the defense team said, you know, they said, we ask around and who's the guy who, who knows about how the military trains us to kill? Now, Grossman wrote the book on killing. He said, we have a judge's order here for you to testify how the military trained him to kill. Oh. And, and, and let's stay with this and, 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 and how, uh, uh, you know, and, and you wrote the book and, and we got a judge's order to pay you a hundred dollars an hour and the, and the military can't say no. And I said, well, actually, it works the other way around. The training has discipline built into it. It's an, a bizarre it, 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 thing for this to occur. Uh, it, it's it's the opposite. Military training, you fire around in the wrong direction, fire at the wrong time. It, it, discipline comes with the process and, and absolutely not. And they said, and here's what they said. They said, well, you know, we can usually admit this, but well, we know this guy's guilty. He admits it. And if you don't help us, he might die. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. Is that supposed to get your sympathy? <laughs> I'll throw the switch for you. So, yeah. so, so what happened was about a month or two later, the prosecution got word that the defense is going to try to go in this direction. And they got word that the defense tried to get Grossman. So they put me on TDY orders, didn't pay me a nickel, brought me out to Oklahoma for a day. I talked with the prosecutor. I never went to court. They said, don't go there. We got Grossman. That's what they did. So all we did was they were going to try. They said, don't even try to go there. We got Grossman ready to go. We're going to blow you out of the water. The guy you tried to get is on our side. Don't go there. And they didn't. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that horrible mass murder did meet his fate. And, uh, and and that was a good thing. And I'm kind of proud I had a little role in the process there on the on the prosecution team. I always tell people I'm on the prosecution team. I'm the good guy yeah. on that one. Yeah. Well, when you said defense, I was like, defense yeah, yeah. That, guy, that guy unless unless the lord himself came down and testified for him <laughs> he, he was not getting off yeah. in oklahoma in particular yeah yeah all and and the guy and i have to preface this for our our newbie officers out there all from a traffic stop that guy got caught all from a traffic stop yep. so don't think a burnt out taillight doesn't get you anything Amen. got got one of the most hated men in america at that time a lot of them weren't even born at that time, Dave. Um, they're babies. Um, so I got another one. Um, this one's this one's kind of important. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break, and then we're going to come back from break, and I'm going to ask you this question because this one is a, a is a heavy question, especially now in the current climate in law enforcement. So folks, uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with uh, Dave Grossman. 
Do you want to help the Roll Call Room podcast keep going? Of course you do. Join Patreon and pledge to the show each month. Tiers start at $5 and you can get some pretty cool shit with it, including swag and access to listen to episode clips early. So put that Starbucks coffee down and help my dad keep the show going. Don't be a fucking Steve. Go to rollcallroom.com to pledge today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back uh, to the final uh uh, the final segment with uh, Dave Grossman. Uh, it's been a pleasure having him uh, for the last segment and for the last episode. Um, we have one very, very powerful question uh, that I waited to the end to talk about because I think it's extremely important with what's going on in current events within the law enforcement community. Um, one of the questions that was asked by one of the fans was, what type of leaders in law enforcement do we need right now and going forward, meaning right now, um, some really, really tough times. And you and I talked offline. I refer to um, poor leaders as paper leaders uh, because once a rainstorm comes, the paper just disintegrates. They're just they're just not good wartime leaders. Um, so I turn that question well, over to you. Well, you know, I had a I had an old sergeant major forty years ago. You used to talk about solar powered, water soluble soldiers. You know. They only work the day shift. If it rains, they are, you know, they melt. They're solar powered, water soluble. But, uh, you know, the, the measure of a leader, uh, a good leader a little while back wrote a book called The Mission, The Men, and Me in that order. You know, the good good leader is, 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 is focused on the mission, and that's to protect lives and to protect property. And the second focus is on the troops. And, and what we need, what we desperately need is good peer support programs out there. And we need to have embedded mental health. This is a, a just a, a, a small uh, investment with big payoff. I'll tell you another thing we're doing that costs absolutely nothing. I consider this to be a bit of an acid test is chaplains. Chaplains cost nothing. Faith is a vital component in resiliency. You know, in the end, and let me give you an angle on this. You know, uh, there's only one thing in the universe you can control. That's yourself right now. And uh, there's nothing, nothing, nothing in this world we can control except ourselves. Uh, the global level, the national level, what the, what the supervisors are doing, that nothing can do about that. All you can control is yourself. And that means if we give way to bitterness, we give way to cynicism or complacency or denial, that's the one thing we can control. And you give the world a victory with your own hands. And we will not give them that victory. So when we talk about all the bad things out there, there is great power in handing them over to higher powers. I can't do anything about that. I give it to higher power. I focus on the things I can control. And, and, and so good leaders focus on the welfare of their troops in these times. And, and, and chaplains are an incredible free way to embed yourself into the community and to provide truly affirming resources. Asset tests. Are they taking care of the troops? Do they have a peer support program? Do they have embedded mental health? Do they have chaplains? Here's simple questions right up front, whether or not we're a leader focused on the welfare of the troops. I give another angle on this, though. America is an amazing place. We're one of the few places in the world that elect a lot of our, our law enforcement leadership. And, you know, I, I worked in England a while back, and a couple of high-level British cops were, were kind of mocking America. He said, you elect your law enforcement leaders. He said, I'm going to pick some guy and elect him to be my doctor. I'm going to take some guy and elect him to, to be my dentist. 
I said, well, you know, when you look at it that way, it's kind of crazy. But the truth is that it works. Mm-hmm. That, you know, most of our police chiefs out there are politicians. And, and any one of 20 different people can fire them on any day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they truly, truly are political animals. They're appointed for their politics. And folks, you voted for those politicians, and this is what you get. They're, they are appointed by politicians. They're political animals. But the sheriff can only be put out of office by 51% of the voters once every four years. And when you start looking at these left-wing states, the ones that are just sold out to, 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 to the, the quarantine, the ones that have destroyed their economy, the ones who won't let go of power, these left-wing states, almost all of them have also destroyed their sheriffs. They do not want law enforcement leaders to answer to the public. They mm-hmm. want law enforcement leaders to answer to them. And, and, and that's the difference. And, and, and so I'm, I'm telling you, we have within us the capacity to, 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 to fix this problem. First is, is we understand our leaders at the high upper levels are totally political animals. They are a product of who we voted for. And, and, and I tell you, I always tell my police union, I tell my police association, get knee deep in politics, endorse candidates, run candidates. I'm talking school board candidates. I'm talking, I'm talking city council candidates. Get involved in politics. The fire guys do this all the time. The fire guys are good at that. Take your police association, get knee deep in politics. Our leaders are political animals and, and they are a product of who we vote for. And we can change that internally. We can change that message. Fight for the sheriffs and that sheriff concept. But remember, there's not much of that you can control right now. What you can control is yourself. And the kind of people we want to be leaders are the kind of people who will generally avoid that. They want to be trainers. They want to be on the tack team. They want to be down in the streets hunting bad guys. And, 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 And we honor that. But you're the kind of guy who should be taking that sergeant's test. Mm-hmm. You're, the, you're the kind of sheepdog who's out there hunting the bad guy. You've got the spirit and the heart and the, and the experience and, and the instincts that we want at higher levels. If you don't like the leadership, there's only one thing in the university you can control. It's yourself. And so you apply for those leadership positions. Apply for that sergeant. Go up that chain of command and do it the intent of protecting people. Never forget where you came from. Never forget your roots and strive for that leadership position. Be an FTO, be a sergeant. I'm a big fan of the noble rank of corporal. There's things mm-hmm. I can do. You know, they take somebody and call them a p- patrolman first class and give them PFC wings. You've been in the military, it's humiliating. But corporal's a noble old rank. Take your FDOs, make them corporals, chaplains. So many things we can do, they cost nothing. And uh, and and again, that, that rank of sergeant and 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 have a, have a first sergeant. That you know, in, 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 in every place where there's a captain, there should be a first sergeant equivalent. He's a sergeant among sergeants, the first one we tune to, the, the one we respect. And, and 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 then work your way up that rank ladder to positions of authority. If, if you really feel this burning desire to change things, and who doesn't? If you don't feel this burning desire to be part of the solution. You need to kind of examine your heart a little bit here. And if you have that burning desire, if you are offended by what's happening, then there's only one thing the universe can control is ourselves. Don't give way to bitterness. Don't give way to cynicism or complacency. Dedicate yourself to making the world a better place, not just by being the best cop you can, but by influencing your organization. Be part of that peer support program. 
You're the one that walks up and said, man, I've been here once before. I'm here for you as you walk your way through this process. You had to shoot somebody. I've been around this block before. I'm here for you throughout the process. Be part of that support program. Be part of the solution. Don't spend your time griping because you're just part of the problem when you do that. Dedicate your energy and time to finding ways to make it better. And it begins with you deciding to be an FTO, you deciding to apply for the sergeant's test, you striving for those higher levels and never forget your roots, never forget where you came from. We can change these institutions. The way we vote, the politicians we put in charge, you'll see a backlash of enormous magnitude coming in the near future in some of our major cities and states. But it all comes down to the one thing in the universe you can control, it's yourself. Take all the things you can control, turn over a higher power. My book on spiritual combat might help if you're focused that way. And and it all begins with you striving to make your part of the world a better place. Not just be a better cop, but a better supporter, a peer support program, a better trainer, FTO, a better better leader, the sergeant. And strive for those positions. Dedicate yourself to making your part of the world a better place. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, I have faith in our nation. I have faith in our way of life. We're going to do this. There will be a movement in the other direction. And you could say, I was there in the darkest hour. I carried us through these dark and desperate times. And I'm proud to be a leader that was part of the process that changed us. From leaders who, who threw their cops under the bus. From politicians who... Who, who threw their citizens under the bus and undermined public safety and, 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 and the lives of their citizens for political expediency. I was there when we defeated those people and we drove them down and we made the world a better place. My generation was part of the generation that led us to a better place. Yeah. And, and um, Dave, I will touch on, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I developed a training class for peer support uh, teams and uh, uh, to peer support um teams or developing a peer support team within your agency. And I will tell you one of the biggest things that we do um, that we don't do very well in the law enforcement community is, is we create a peer support team and we have officers put in for it. And only those officers are on the peer support team. And that philosophy needs to change. Every officer in an agency should be trained as a peer support officer because when I'm when I'm down or when I get into an officer involved shooting, I don't want you to hand me a piece of paper of a list of officers that I can go talk to. I want to go talk to whoever I want to talk to. And that's where we go wrong in the law enforcement profession with peer support teams. And that's a great idea. There's a grassroots thing we can do right now. Yes, you know, absolutely. In, in the military, we 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 made the transition to uh, to a combat lifesaver. Everybody has a tourniquet. Everyone knows how to put an IV, and, and we're now making the transition to to the mental health at the basic mm-hmm. level. We all have mental health skills, uh, suicide prevention, and what to do. We're giving people the tools to do that kind of thing. The idea of grassroots universal peer support—that's brilliant. And these are the yeah. kind of things we can be doing to start changing the the, the very culture. To, to a culture that's going to come out these violent, desperate times to, to a better place. Yeah. And the thing is, is if you look at it, every officer uh, who has an out of carrier tactical vest has a has a tourniquet right right now. So at any moment, any one of those officers can use that tourniquet to save another officer's life. But they don't have a pin on their uniform that says peer support officer. Boy. How crazy is that? Yeah. And this is crazy. Fix. And, and again, the grassroots dynamic of, of yeah, seeking the training and seeking the resources to be there for each other. Uh, the, the, the analogy to the tourniquet is great. 
uh, you know, we, we, we want to save each other and save our organization physically and psychologically and, and spiritually. Yeah. Those are the three paths of resiliency that we can make a difference. Well, Dave, um, I want to I want to read a passage. This passage I've 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 read this passage from um, Cheap Dogs, which is your your children's book. Which I know most people are going to be so surprised that you have a children's book. Where did uh, you? The second, what? yeah, the second book. You know, the Sheep Dog Kids book came out. I speak at the NRA every year. I do a lot of work with. I've got a book called On Hunting coming out soon. That's going to be a big deal. But they said, well, Dave, the Sheepdog book was great, but it's almost all focused on military and law enforcement. What about a civilian sheepdogs? So I wrote a book, and it's a great book with some great artwork called Why Mommy Carries a Gun. And it might put in the family. Mom or dad, grandma, grandpa going to carry a gun. Here's what we want the kids to know. Find a gun. Stop. Don't touch. Four universal gun safety laws. Famous sheepdogs throughout history will blow your mind. So, yeah, you know, writing the kids' books was a lot of fun and amazingly amount of work. But yeah. I'm so honored that you found that sheepdog book, which is really the most important one. And, and my mind spinning. What what quote was it that you were able to lock onto? So this is the one that I would read my children, which was because um, my kids struggled very much with the public opinion of law enforcement and us being the enemy when they were very young. My kids are teenagers now; they're eighteen and, and fifteen. But um, I'll read it. It's uh, fear not the night, fear that which walks the night, and I am that which walks the night. But only evil need fear me, and gentle souls sleep safe in their beds because I walk the night. Sure. And that always rang true to me because I work nights all the time. And I wanted my kids to know that no no sheeps should fear my my departure out into the wild. Uh, only the wolves should fear my my presence. And I instilled that in my children. Uh, still to this day, and they're very, very. Um, I don't know because it, maybe they're cops kids, just like military kids. They they have a different mindset. But I read that I read I read that quote to them almost 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 daily because I don't ever want I never wanted my kids to be ashamed or to feel like I was the enemy out there that they that their friends should be afraid of me. Um, and that that's fifteen. Let me see your book was in 2013. I bought that book like probably 2013, 2014. And um, it still rings true. And those of you that are listening to this the first time, uh, Sheepdogs is available on Amazon. And if you have Amazon Prime, uh, you can get it on there as well. Uh, I strongly encourage you to read that book to your children and the new book that Dave is putting out as well. Uh, because there are some good passages in there that make it a lot easier for you for you to explain to your children why you're a warrior, why you're why you're a sheepdog. And you know, um, at the end of that book is the the sheep, the wolf, the sheepdog essay pulled out of on combat. Mm-hmm. And you know what's been really neat about that book, Nick, is we got people. My grandson, uh, you know, I read the book to him when he was little, and then he got a little bigger, and he read that narrative, and then he read the book on combat as a young teenager. There's things that on killing, I wouldn't want a kid to read until he was a, a high school senior or older. Nothing in on combat, I wouldn't want a kid to read. So, you know, your kids are at the right stage now to read that essay at the back and then maybe read the book. And uh, and as part of that dynamic, which it gives you intermediate steps to read the book to it. One cop said his three-year-old minute read it to her every night. 
uh, you know, about five is when they really begin to get it, is get older, they get more. But then they read that essay, which is really transformational for your spouse, for others. Yeah. And then be able to just sit down and read that book uh, on combat. And, uh, and there's this developmental dynamic at every stage of their life available to, to pull them up that next step, to get their heart and mind and, and help them through these violent times because these are crazy times. And yeah, they are. it's what you got to give, brother. The world desperately needs what you got to give. It's the worst of times. It's the best of times. And your courage and your competence and your compassion shine bright for the darkness of the hour. Never forget I appreciate it, Dave. Dave, thank you so much. Um, I cannot, man, I cannot tell you how much of a, a dream come true this uh, these two interviews have been. I never in a million years sitting in the police academy in Northern Virginia sixteen years ago would have. If somebody would have told me I was sitting down with Dave Grossman, I would have told them that they were either high or um, experiencing some sort of mental breakdown. So. Um, this is definitely one off my bucket list, sir. Um, I appreciate it. It truly, you know, the Bible says it is, as iron sharpens iron. So does one man uplift another. And it's a two way street, brother. It's, I get empowered. I'd tell you what, some of the attacks we've had recently, some of the left wingers, I tried to conduct an interview with to help them understand what's happening. You recharge my batteries, brothers, iron sharpens iron. Thank you. Well, um, folks, you can reach me at Nick at rollcallroom.com. Dave, where can people get a hold of you? What do you got going on? Where can I steer a crazy train roll call room podcast uh, virus? Where can they go? You know, uh, uh, my website, killology.com, K-I-L-L-O-L-O-G-Y.com. List the books, list my speaking engagements, uh, Crazy times. We got some being canceled. We get others being started because this attack. People fighting back, saying, "No, I want him here." You know, and uh, uh, roll up on the books on combat. We recommend first the Sheepdog Kids book is a great way to begin. Uh, SheepdogKnifeAndGun.com is another part of what we're doing out there, and uh, and uh, uh, just just have faith. We're rebranding a little bit. We're going to rebrand over from Killology, which was intentionally provocative uh, early on. And, and now we're ready to just move to Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman.com and so on. But uh, hang in there, uh, especially uh, focus on Nick at RollCallRoom.com and continue to hear pearls of wisdom being fired over the Internet. Uh, and believe in who you are, folks. Believe in what you do. Uh, I appreciate it. Also, um, yeah. I want to plug uh, Grossman Academy too. Oh, well, uh, that's right, right. Grossmanacademy.com. Yeah, yeah, online was... online providers. They took my book on killing and my book on combat, the on combat online course. Thank you, Grossmanacademy.com. Uh, they've really done a great job of uh, of taking. You get an e copy of the book, pick up some semester credit hours, some in service training hours, work all the way through the book on combat. Uh, uh, GrossmanAcademy.com. Thanks for remembering that, Nick. That, that's a yeah. great resource to tap into. And I was on there last night, and um, I will tell you, folks, it's extremely affordable, even on a law enforcement salary. It is extreme. I'm telling you, I think it was like $79 for the course. I'm telling you, it is worth you not having Starbucks for two weeks. And it, again, you're getting semester credit hours out of it or oh, service training out of it. 79 bucks? Yeah. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah. And I went on last night and I, it was, it, just go on there. I, 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 it has my approval and, and recommendations. So just go on there. Um, but Dave, thank you again so much, folks. Uh, you can check us out at rollcallroom.com. Um, and uh, stay tuned, stay safe out there. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. 
Roll Call Room podcast is the fastest growing podcast in the law enforcement community. Nick will make you laugh, cry, and say stuff that you can't to your command staff. Don't be a Steve and tune into the Roll Call Room podcast. Help the show by joining Patreon at www.rollcallroom.com.